Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which uh, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful that you've chosen to be with us today. We're very thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship God this morning in spirit and in truth. We're thankful for the beautiful songs that we've been privileged to sing together, the prayer that has been offered. And now we want to think about studying the Word of God together. We're going to be looking today at 2 Peter chapter 1, the passage that Taylor read a moment ago. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. As we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, the theme of our study today, growing in Christ. When we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are encouraged to grow spiritually. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 18, Peter again speaks of the importance of spiritual growth. He said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want us to think for a moment about the importance of growing spiritually in Christ. The first thing that I call your attention to is the basis for spiritual growth, and that would be the Scriptures. Note, if you would, what Peter says in verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. The Scriptures ultimately are what bring about spiritual growth in our lives. And there are some things that maybe we would do well to think about in connection to the, to the Scriptures and our spiritual growth in Christ Jesus. First of all, I think about the sufficiency of the Scriptures. Peter said that God has given unto us all things, A-L-L, everything that you and I need to know about life and godliness has been revealed. And so you and I, when we talk about the Word of God, we need to understand that the Word of God can make us complete or whole in the eyes of God. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. There's the idea. The Word of God can make us complete, whole, in the eyes of Almighty God. And so, the basis for our spiritual growth, well, the Scriptures, and they are, as we said, sufficient. But not just sufficient, but 
They are superlative. Look at verse 4 if you would. Peter said, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Have you ever thought about the beauty of the Word of God? To think that God in His wisdom has given us 66 inspired books that can be matched by no other on earth. The book that we're talking about is a revelation of the mind of Almighty God. Throughout the scriptures, you go back and look at the 39 books in the Old Testament, the 27 books in the New Testament, and you'll see that there are certain facts that must be believed. There are commands that are to be obeyed. There are promises to be enjoyed. And the Apostle Peter here talks about the great and precious promises that have been given unto us. One of the greatest promises that I think about is the hope of heaven that lies before us. Back in his first epistle, Peter talked about how those of us who belong to the family of God, we have an inheritance which is incorruptible. He said it's undefiled, it fades not away, and it is reserved in heaven for you. To think that when you and I stand at the side, at the side of an open grave, when we bury a loved one who has died in Christ Jesus, that that person has gone home to be with the Lord, and that ultimately one day we will be reunited together. We will enjoy the blessings of being with our loved ones who died in Christ. John wrote centuries ago, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. But then there is a third thing that Peter talks about in our lesson text. We think about the sufficiency of the scriptures and how the scriptures are superlative. But also the scriptures are saving. Look at what he says in the latter part of verse 4. That by these, that is, as a result of all of these great and precious promises that have been given unto us, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Word of God has the ability to redeem us. That is, when we obey the gospel, when we comply with what the Word of God has to say, then we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Peter talks about how through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we escape the corruptions or the pollutions that are in the world. Here's what Jesus said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, when you and I obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happens? Well, we contact the blood of Christ, and the blood of Christ washes away all of our sins. And so Peter could say in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth through the Spirit. There is the idea of this new birth or the idea of being born again, as Jesus would talk about in John chapter 3. And thus we begin this Christian life 
in Christ Jesus. So the basis for spiritual growth. But then there's a second thing that Peter discusses. And that is he bids us to spiritual growth. The Lord wants us, as I said a moment ago, he wants us to grow spiritually. That's what he has in mind for us. When children are born into this world, we expect what? Well, we expect them to grow physically, mentally. They begin to grow as they mature through life. Changes begin to, to take place. Their physical body undergoes change. Mentally, they begin to, to change. They become more knowledgeable. They become more intellectual. Well, spiritually speaking, the Lord wants us to grow. And so what he wants us to do is to, to supplement or to supply to our faith what we might call certain Christian graces. And so look if you would, beginning in verse 5, Peter said, For this very reason, giving all diligence, add or supply to your faith. How imperative, how important is faith? Well, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the foundation upon which our Christian journey ultimately begins. In other words, we have to have faith and obedience to begin this relationship with the Lord. So what are we going to do? Well, Peter says we need to build upon the faith that we have. And so, he says, add to your faith virtue. The word virtue simply means moral excellence. It carries with it the idea of doing what is right because it is right. Now, I know that as, as we grow in life, sometimes we, we do not engage in certain things because we understand that there are penalties or consequences attached to those things. But hopefully, as we grow and mature, there are certain things that we choose not to do because it's right. I think about how, as young people, they're faced with so many temptations in life. And there are a lot of reasons why we encourage young people not to drink alcohol, not to take drugs. Solomon talks about how wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Well, there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't drink alcohol. But hopefully and prayerfully, you will reach a point in time in your spiritual life when you'll say, I'm not going to drink alcohol because it's the right thing. In other words, God wouldn't want me to do that. And because God would not want me to do that, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what's right because it's right. The same thing's true with regard to sexual promiscuity or immorality. There are a lot of people in our world today, they see nothing wrong with engaging in premarital or extramarital relations. It's somewhat... Interesting that people today have the cart before the horse. 
There are individuals in our world today that are giving birth to children out of wedlock. And yet Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse 14 that the younger women are to marry and then bear children. Well, why not engage in sexual immorality? Well, because it wouldn't be the right thing to do. And so we want to have this characteristic known as virtue. In other words, we don't engage in sexual immorality because God doesn't want us to. And so, in light of that, we're going to do what's right because it's right. Because we want to be pleasing to Almighty God. But then, Peter says, add to your virtue knowledge. Knowledge here would encompass the Christian religion. That is, knowing the faith. Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And the idea is that we know what we believe and why we believe it. Well, how knowledgeable are you, how knowledgeable are we as a body of people of the Word of God? Why be knowledgeable in the Word of God? Why grow spiritually? Well, the Hebrew writer addressed that back in Hebrews chapter 5. He talked about those who by reason of time ought to have been at a point in time in their spiritual lives when they could have been teaching others. The writer said, you have need that one teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. The problem was they were not growing spiritually. And because they were not growing spiritually, they needed to be retaught the fundamentals of the faith. One of the byproducts of knowledge, according to the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 5 verse 14, is the ability to discern good and evil. When you have a working knowledge of the Word of God, you don't have to guess about is this right or wrong, is this truth or error. You just know it. Why? You know it because that's what the Bible says. As Peter said, you've taken this word, you've stored it up in your heart, and you live by it. You try to make decisions based on what the word of God has to say. Then Peter says, add to your knowledge self-control, or as it is translated in some Bibles, temperance. And the idea is the mastery of our desires and our passions, and it would include our sensual passions. One of the strongest challenges that we face as the people of God is keeping in check our spiritual lives. Think, think about how the devil operates. The Bible says, Peter said, that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now the devil uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life to tempt those of us who belong to the human family. What we have to do is make sure that we are living in compliance with the will of God. In other words, that we have our passions, our desires under control. If we don't keep our passions and our desires under control, we're headed for trouble. If you and I did not keep our spiritual lives in check, if you please... Oh, we, could get in, we could get into all kinds of trouble. But Peter is saying what you need to do is take these Christian graces 
and incorporate them into your, into your spiritual life. And in so doing, you will be well equipped to live for the Lord. And so, we're encouraged to add to our knowledge self-control. And then he says, add to self-control or temperance, perseverance. And the idea here is that we're that we are at a point in time, spiritually speaking, that we can bear up under the trials of life. Christianity is not always easy. It's not easy living life on planet Earth. There are a lot of guys on television, health and wealth preachers, I guess you could call them, that will tell you if you will put your spiritual life in order, that everything's going to work out and life's going to be great and grand and all of this, well, that's just not the case. Now, when you obey the gospel, when you become a child of God, I will freely grant that there are innumerable spiritual blessings that are made available to us. And life is far greater in Christ Jesus than outside of Christ. But just because you become a Christian does not negate the fact that you still live in a world that is encompassed by evil and suffering and human heartache. And so James said in James chapter 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation or trial. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Life is not always easy. Go back and read the life of Job. What was it that sustained Job? Well, James said in James chapter 5, verse 11, you have heard of the patience or the perseverance of Job. What you and I have to do is realize that we're in this thing until death. When we obey the gospel, we're saying we're entering the Christian race and we're not going to quit until we've crossed the finish line. Unfortunately, a lot of people give up too early too soon. And then he says, add to your perseverance godliness. That is, become godlike in your behavior. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he encouraged him to be righteous and godly in this life. We know what it means to be godlike. That would be to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to try to live in Conformity to the will of God. To try to pattern our lives after what the Bible teaches us. To honor the will of God. To try to, to, to live in such a way so that people see Christ living in us. As Paul said, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 1. And then he says, add to your godliness Brotherly kindness. Peter here is stressing that as Christians we love one another. In Hebrews chapter 11, or rather Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1, the Hebrew writer said, Let love of the brethren continue. In 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 17, Peter said, Love the brotherhood. Think about it. You and I, we are people of like precious faith. The Lord wants us to love one another, to genuinely care about one another. Jesus said that our love for one another is the badge of Christian discipleship in John 13. 
He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And then he says, add to your brotherly kindness, or brotherly love, love. And this would be love for all people, for all men. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, how faith, hope, and love abide. He said, but the greatest of these is love. And so adorning our Christian life with these graces. And so Peter is simply bidding us to spiritual growth. Well, there's a third thing that we need to see, and that is the blessings of spiritual growth. What are the blessings associated with growing spiritually in Christ Jesus? Let me give you one. Stability. Steadfastness. If you're growing as the Lord would have you to grow, then what's going to happen is you're going to become steadfast or stable in your Christian life. There are a lot of people today that have gone back into the world, like Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. And the reason is because ultimately, one of the reasons is because they weren't growing. So listen to what Peter says. He said, if these things are yours and abound... He said, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins or past sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble." I said just a moment ago that one of the byproducts of spiritual growth is stability, steadfastness. This resolve that we're in this thing until the very end. So what do you see? First of all, you see faithfulness to Christ. Here's the person that says, come what may, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Was it not the Lord that said, be faithful until death? And I will give unto you the crown of life. In Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10, did we not just talk about those who bear up under the trials of life and the promise being, according to James, the crown of life in verse 12 of chapter 1? We're going to be faithful to the Lord. And not just faithful to Christ, but he said we're going to be fruitful for Christ. He said if these things are in you and abound, they make you to be neither unfruitful nor barren in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You and I are to bear fruit in our lives. One of the things that we, that we, that we do is live a life of holiness. We talked about godliness and righteousness. Well, that's what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 6. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The idea is that we're, we're growing and we're bearing fruit for God the Father. In so doing, what are we doing? We are bringing honor and glory to the Lord. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Ephesians 3, verse 21, unto him be glory in the church. The church exists to bring honor and glory to God. And so we do that by being fruitful. 
But then also, we have a future with Christ. Look, if you would, at verse 11. Those who are adorning their lives with these Christian graces, who are growing as they should, he said, for so entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, when we live as God would have us to live, one day we'll stand before him and we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Just imagine hearing the Lord say to you, enter into the joys prepared for you. To know that you and I have an everlasting home with the Lord. Now we talk about stability and living a stable life. Look at, our, look at our country today. Our country is far from stable, economically speaking. There are a lot of problems going on. And there are a lot of people in our world today, they're concerned about their economic stability. Well, I do not know what the future holds concerning the economic status of our country. But I do know this. If we'll take what the Bible says and incorporate it into our lives, we will be stable and steadfast as members of the kingdom of God. And ultimately, we'll live in such a way so that one day we have that home in heaven. It would be tragic to be a member of the, of the body of Christ and then to go back into the world and to forfeit our home in heaven. But to know that as we daily live for Christ, as we daily live for Him who died for us, we have that home before us. What about you today? Are you growing spiritually? Can you say that as a child of God, you are truly growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If not, could I encourage you to recommit today, to make the resolve today that you're going to grow as you've never grown before, that you're going to dig deeper, you're going to live a faithful life in Christ Jesus. It may be that you've gone back into the world. Well, the Bible says that if we will turn back to God, he will forgive us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John said, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We would be happy to pray with you and for you. James said, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. It might be that you're here today. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as a Son of God. Well, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, verse 24. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. Would you be willing to put your faith in Him, repent, and then be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, as Peter said on Pentecost Day, recorded by Luke in Acts 2, verse 38? And then would you live faithfully until death? In so doing, the promise is a home in heaven. Would you come as we stand and sing?